This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Ocean's Eleven. Although, um, Chris, I'm a little bit worried Andy's not here yet. He will be here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hello again. And Chris is back. Ah, thanks for having me. You're always welcome, Chris. You can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. And our music is by Skeleton King. Find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. So here we are again, chaps, uh, here for another podcast. We're doing Ocean's Eleven today. So it's worth pointing out that this is the uh, Steven Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven, not the, I don't know, the Frank Sinatra one. Oh, you could have told me. Oh, well, uh-oh, that's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so, um, Chris, this was... It's got a sort of, even though I really enjoy this film in general, it's got a special place for me because this was the last film you and I went to see together in the cinema before I moved back to the UK. Do you remember that? I did not remember that. Yeah. Really? Oh, well, okay. So it meant more to me than it did to you, obviously. This is awkward. <laughs> my, my memories of watching movies with you, Jess, is uh, up in that room in our old house picking movies out of a hat. Okay. And then rewriting all the rules to make sure that we watched movies we actually wanted to watch yeah oh the veto the veto rules it's key. Yeah. there's literally four people on the in the world that will get that reference so yeah. that's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, well yeah no we went to see it it was uh i think it was for noel's birthday i think yeah and well i you loved it. we all loved it right it was it's is it one of the coolest the coolest films ever made like cool as in like literally they knew what they were doing. They were trying to make a cool film and they did it. I think it's interesting that this movie um, is coming, you know, the uh, you recently did The Great Escape. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that The Great Escape is necessarily the coolest movie ever made. It's got maybe the coolest actor of all time. Mm -hmm. And it's got the coolest actor riding motorcycles around in real cool scenes. Um, but yeah, this one follows up like this. For me, when I was watching and doing my notes, it was it was difficult for me to focus on the small stuff because the epitome of this movie is just it really is just Brad Pitt and George Clooney are cool. Mm. And like I, I really kind of I kind of made a note to myself when I was making my notes being like, OK, so I just I can't have 50 times where I say. Oh, Clooney's cool in this. This is cool with Brad Pitt here. Well, you you can. Oh, this is really cool. Because that's all we would do. <laughs> well, sorry. I mean, way back when we were, I was we were planning this podcast. That's what I assumed it was going to be. Every episode of the pod yeah, yeah. was going to be. Oh, I love this bit. <laughs> I love yeah. that bit. And like, like here's, like, just think about like the cool factor because I think it's also interesting because we talked about the coolness of Andy Garcia mm -hmm. when we did the untouchables. And, um, so he's super cool to see him kind of, it's a comeback, I think for him. Yeah. I don't think we'd seen him in a whole lot for a while when he popped up in this. Um, and then like 
Matt Damon's in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like way down the cool rankings in this movie. He's not very cool. Linus isn't cool. Yeah. It's not even a cool name, is it? No, no. it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, this okay. This would so... be my favorite tone movie I've ever watched. Favorite tone? Yeah, just the tone of the whole thing. It just, like I said, it made it hard for me to focus and actually try and pick up on little things that I love in it because I just get so swept up in, this is just mm. so cool to watch these people do what they're doing. Is there a film... Uh, whose goal was to make it cool any cooler than this. I don't know. Because when you try to make things cool, invariably they're, they're terrible, mm. right? Right. This is this is a home run, right? It's, yeah. It's, it, is ooze, it oozes cool all the time. Yeah. And that was kind well, of... Get, yeah. Go on, Chris. You get like Wes Anderson, which I wouldn't call it cool... Um, I don't know what word I would use to describe his movies, but he affects a tone all the time. Yeah, yeah. Quirky, I would, I always use with Quirky. him. Yeah. Yeah, that you pick up on, and then, like I said, that becomes the focus of, that's what this is. Is it? I don't know that anything's ever been cool like this. No, I was just wondering, though, I mean, it's Steven Soderbergh, obviously. Um, the other film that, I mean, there's a lot of crossover of, um, between these two, but the other film that it always reminds me of is Out of Sight same mm. same lead actor same director but it's the same tone as well it's really slick it's shot beautifully it's got atmosphere it's got mood tone chris uh yeah. so that's that for me that's at least of all the like thinking off the top of my head right now that's the only one that i think is sort of close to this i would also just say real quickly this movie also is a shout out to steven soderbergh mm. um because according to, you know, Hollywood lore, this he didn't want to do it. This was a all one for you, one for me, and this was the one for you. Like okay. I'll direct this movie for you guys because you if you'll let me he made Solaris, I think, was after this. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Like this guy's just such a pro and such a great director that the one for you was still like impeccable, like yeah. just perfectly constructed. Because he's just not gonna make a bad movie. Well, and he must have. Well, they obviously really enjoyed themselves during the shooting because they made two more. Yeah. And as far as I can tell from what I've heard, the 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 vibe on set of the, the other two were they basically just were having a brilliant time all the way through. And that was, I think, one of the criticisms of the second one is that it looks like they're having more fun than we are. <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, I mean, you put Brad. Pitt and George Clooney in a room together, I guess. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. I feel like I'm Linus to your uh, Rusty and Danny over there. So, Okay. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be Danny? Uh, or, or no, I'll go Russ. Okay. Because he eats all the time. Okay, you're, he's eating. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Fine. And I've just come out of prison, so yeah. it, all, it all lines up. Shall we move on to the small stuff? Mm. Like, I Let's think at the first, I mean, it is so, It's you've said it. Both of you have said it already. It's oozing with tone right away. Even the shots in the in the prison are amazing. Yeah, and um, they they don't waste any time um, allowing us to see what sort of character Danny Ocean is. <clears throat> he uh, he's remarkably cocky for his parole hearing, uh, I think, um, and confident that um, despite being. I don't know. I mean, it could go either way, couldn't it? With the answers and the way he responds to the parole officers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he could have backfired big time, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
he's Danny Ocean. He gets away with it. He just rolls with it. And uh, yeah, so is what, it, I don't know, was it like 35, 40 seconds long? And you already know how cool he is. He's like, right. yeah, I got this. Yeah. And then he walks out of prison wearing probably the best exiting prison outfit <laughs> anyone's ever worn, right? No one's looked that good leaving prison before or since. <laughs> Actually, he does again at the end, doesn't he? Really? Yeah. yeah. Is it the same? I, I I literally watched it today, but is it a tuxedo the first time? Yeah, but yeah. he hides it with a with an overcoat. Okay. Uh, on the, the second, at the end, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, it's exceptionally cool, and mm-hmm. he's cool. But yeah, I, it was, I was like, oh yeah, because I've not seen it for like three or four years, and I watched it and thought, oh, man, you are cocky right now. Mm. Um, but you know it. You know, he's got the, he's got the swagger, isn't he? I think we should challenge people to um, play a drinking game listening to this podcast. Take a drink every time we say the word cool. I think we've already said it about 100 times. Uh, Yeah. Chris, you wanted to say something about um, when Danny goes to see uh, Ramon (laughs) or Frank. Uh, My note I had here was, um, so after he gets out of prison, I I just said, I've written down water, casino, Clooney, escalator music mm-hmm. cool yeah and all those elements mixed together and i and i do and we'll talk, talk about this when we do the categories later right but like the music in this movie forget about it and mm-hmm. that's the first moment when the music kicks in yep and uh i don't know uh if i don't know who scored this movie if it's anybody famous uh i guess we could have looked it up but um yeah it's just per- it's just the perfect element. The whole thing just works perfectly. It's just so awesome. What a great way to start the movie. I love that scene. Yeah, and the escalator is just brilliant. So we've got our um, we've got our res- our researcher. Quickly looking up the music. Anything? I don't know who David Holmes is. David Holmes. Okay. Okay. Shout out to him. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. We'll skip forward, and we um, we we find, we sort of uh, see Rusty for the first time, and he's teaching the the real Hollywood stars to play poker, uh, and they are epically bad. <laughs> I mean, they're just. I mean, he's not doing a very good job of teaching them how to play poker because they are so unbelievably bad. He doesn't care, does he? He's like, my God, this is these these people. Mm. What what have I become? He alludes to it later by saying he's really bored. He's just going but through the motions. Important, what's important in that um, to remember in that moment in time, though, is this is pre poker breakout. Yeah. So when we went to the movies and he was saying all this stuff, we we didn't understand what it was a foreign language to us as well. Yeah. Now I think everybody understands poker at such a intricate level that we can look at it and say, well, that's it's kind of ridiculous. But I do also think of one thing I wanted to point out that I love about um, watching that scene in hindsight is the people sitting around that table mm-hmm. at the time were stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Topher Grace was a big deal, wasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and Barry, and I'm drawing a blank on his last name, uh, Okay, I can't think of. But anyways, these were big stars at the time. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of star power in this movie, um, they must have called in a lot of favors yeah. to get. And then the and then the butt of the joke. That's the yes, the amazing thing about it. 
because uh, they're not cool. No, no, they're not. Oh, although, but there is that lovely moment when they leave the club, and Topher is like pretending to not want to be noticed, and then he gets noticed, and he's like, "Oh, you, you saw me." Uh, that's yeah, just yeah. so, oh. yeah, so well done because he he's desperate to be noticed. Well, and yeah, I have that note down. I said, well, it's a great little in-joke, I think, that Soderbergh's doing there where Brad Pitt and George Clooney walk out of the club and nobody pays attention to them. Yeah. And Topher Grace gets all the attention. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. I mean, mm-hmm. at the time, Brad Pitt might have been the most sought-after celebrity photo in the world. Yeah. There's a line when they're walking, when, when Rusty and Topher are walking back into the room, mm-hmm. And uh, Danny Ocean is there. And did you hear the line that Danny <laughs> said to the other guys right when they walk in? He says, that's hard, crossing over from TV to movies. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. He did famously Red well. <laughs> yes, exactly, from being on ER to being a, the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty funny little end joke, too. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't picked up on that. Uh, I did... I, I do love the way that um, they instantly start uh, playing poker and conning, not I don't know the right term, but they're basically conning the the guys. They're hustling the guys. Yeah. The, the, right. Like, and, they, and they both, they're both on the same page straight away. They both know immediately what's going to happen. Uh, they haven't, they, you know, they don't skip a beat, do they? They just right back into the old routine. You know what's crazy about that, Jess? Mm-hmm. I've watched this movie at least a dozen times over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I just, you just, I'm today years old when I realized that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to ask the question. I mean, I, I it was, um, I had an epiphany this morning when I was rewatching a few bits of this. And I thought, oh, right, I know what's happening now. Um, of course, of course this is happening. I was going to ask the question, did anyone else realize that that is actually what's mm-hmm. happening? But now I feel stupid. <laughs> no, it's all right. He's stupid as well, so it's mm-hmm. fine. No, I'm... <laughs> Maybe you're I'm the dumb one, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm Linus. Hey. So they... How much do they get? Like, what do you think? Like three grand or something? Or I don't know. There's it's quite a lot of money on the table. Because he, he throws in two grand, doesn't he? And yeah. then they all just start Oh, that's in. true. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so more than that, like six. Like, what do they? Ten grand, I thought? It was I mean, 500 I, start. Yeah. And then somebody re-raised to a thousand, and then he threw in two. Yeah. And there were calls along the way, and every, and I think everybody, well, everybody except for Barry, call. I yeah, yeah there's probably ten thousand dollars in there, easy. And that's how they get started. So, yes. so Topher Grace probably, maybe, maybe says my favorite line in the entire movie when he's he's walking in with with Rusty and he's talking that you know he's he's obviously wanting to sort the finances out a little more legitimately. And he says he was talking to his manager last night. And Rusty says, Bernie? And he's like, no, no, not Bernie, my business manager. And then he says, actually, you know what? They're both named Bernie. <laughs> he doesn't know. I love the name Bernie. Are you incorporated? Well, okay, if you're not, you should really think about it. Because I was talking to my manager last night. Bernie. No, not Bernie, my business manager. Actually, you know what? They're both named Bernie. To anyway, get it name mentioned so much so early on, cool. There we are. <laughs> Bernie. Bernie, why do you why do you love the name Bernie? I have no idea. Oh, I will tell you why. Is it because of the weekend? No, at... no, no. It's Notting Hill. Hugh oh. Grant when he's you know when he's in the hotel room with Julia Roberts. I think mm. happens. 
Uh, and then Alec Baldwin comes, surprises her, and he's in the room and pretends to be a waiter. I don't know, he's cleaning the room or something. <laughs> and he says, what's your name? He says, Bernie. <laughs> That's why I like the name Bernie. That's good. The small That's... stuff crossover there. Hey. Yeah, there's also, there's another really cool thing with Rusty teaching um, the movie stars. It, like, so many movies use this technique, and I'm just always, I'm always intrigued by it. It's just the whole idea of, like, you can – you can say a lot about the the men in your scene when they're just completely disinterested in the beautiful and sexy women doing beautiful and sexy things around them. Mm -hmm. And and like just the implication it says about these men, right. And their sexuality that like, I just don't, I have access to so many beautiful, sexy women all the time that this woman standing in front of me doing this exotic dance doesn't even catch even a little bit of my attention. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it does actually raise uh, an interesting point. Uh, they tried to rectify this, obviously, with Ocean's 8, but th- there aren't enough competent, capable women in this film. No. It's it it's it's almost egregious. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, how hard would it have been to replace a couple of the guys with women? Yeah, like I mean, may, I, maybe it was a completely intentional choice on their part. I'm not, I you know, but it's not brilliant. I don't think. I think other than than Danny, aren't all the characters the same names as the original? I think their, I their I names, or at least their first names, are the same. Okay. Um, which, but then you know, Basher could be. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think it's a it's a good point. Um, but they would probably just say, "Well, we're remaking this." Um, it's a bit of a lazy excuse. But. It is. Yeah, and it, I think it's, I guess it's it's a shame that they had, I'm glad that they did make Ocean's 8, but it's a shame that they felt like, hold on a minute, we've been completely underrepresented, we need to rectify right. that. Um, because, like, what, like who who could be, you couldn't even, you probably possibly wouldn't even have to change the, the details of the heist. You know, um... Linus's character could easily be a woman. Right. Probably yeah, there's not almost Linus. nothing in the movie that requires them to be male no. that I can think no. of. The, maybe the brothers could be one male, one female, or, you know, what I, Frank could be... Uh, maybe not Frank, because the whole point is Linus is scared of... And actually, probably not Linus, and that, that's because Linus is scared of Frank, in, and that's how they get the... That's how yeah. they get the codes. Mm. So, okay, maybe I'm undermining my point, but anyway. <laughs> All right, well... Um... Anyway, my point my point I come back to is, right, like, in so many movies, like, you'll see the main, the guys will be at a strip club, and the whole mm. point of them being at a strip club is they don't look at the strippers, they don't care. Yeah. And it's just a shorthand version to say, like, these guys are hyper-macho men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is nothing new to them. Yeah. Okay, so then... Uh, they they drive away did you notice the camera when they drive off the camera is like it's a wide angle camera but it's fixed to the back of the car so as the as the car moves it, mm-hmm. it kind of it, it, it's car car point of view camera which is great um that's another little cro- uh, crossover to way back to our, to our discussion of game night because they use that trick in game night a couple of times as well mm-hmm. but yeah then he pitches the pitches the plan to rusty chris uh, so here, here are the cons they need. They need a Boski, a Jim Brown, a Miss Daisy, 
two Jethro's, a Leon Spinks, not to mention the biggest <clears throat> Ella Fitzgerald ever. Mm. Can we match these up? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, what are the two the two things? Did you say the two? Um... The two Jethro's. Okay, so that's that's the brothers, right? The Mallory, it's be... yeah. yeah, the twins. Yeah. And the Ella Fitzgerald has got to be Saul. I feel like Saul's role in the in the con is is pretty crucial because it's the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm mis. Uh, by the way, we also just have to say the fact that Jim Brown gets a mention. He died. What was it yesterday? Two days ago. So yes. respect to Jim Brown, legend. Absolutely. Yep. Um. So I'll I'll give you guys a little insight yeah. on this. I I asked the question is almost tongue in cheek because I know that um, Soderbergh has said uh, that I think it was ad libbed that line. Okay. <laughs> they just they just said to just throw out a bunch of names and stuff. And so they they actually don't any have any literal matchup. Okay. But I always think I've I've tried to think before like could I figure out what would be mm-hmm. what if we had assigned parts. But the two Jethros that works. You That's got pretty good. Those guys, yeah. And yep. <laughs> I love that Le- that Leon Spinks gets a mention, like yeah. a, a, a vaguely famous heavyweight boxer from the eighties. Yeah, we'll mention him. <laughs> <laughs> then they go see Ruben. We're talking about tone um, from more kind of holistic perspective, but I love the way um, this is probably my favorite scene in the movie mm-hmm. when we we clip to uh, Ruben's house. The filter changes very subtly. It goes warmer. And it's slightly desaturated. So straight away, and, and Ruben is wearing the most ludicrous outfit, right? It's 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 fantastic. And he's yeah. got these enormous chains and medallions and his chest hair is... <laughs> uh, I don't really understand what he's wearing. Anyway, he seems to have some kind of long waistcoat thing on with... Anyway. Um, but yeah, so th- that whole... The tone of that scene, uh, you know, visibly is kind of a hark back to it almost feels you know from the 60s you know yes yeah. it's, it's really good i think they do it again on a couple of the the outdoor shots i think when uh bash is going down into the um to, into the sewers to, to the sewers mm. and actually also on the hotel demolition so it might yeah. just be that they 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 warm it up from an outside for the outdoor shots yeah. but it's, it's lovely and his house is incredible uh and his outfit is remarkable and, and silly little things um you don't see his whole plate but when they get up to leave Rusty's plate is mostly empty because he's always eating. Because he's always eating, yeah. And uh, uh, Danny's is not. <laughs> so that's interesting. You mentioned that it's like a hark back to the '60s, because you would imagine Ruben has been involved in the casino game most of his life, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. he he's a '60s guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of it. Kind of adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a completely deliberate thing they've done yeah. there. It's uh, it's really nice. Uh, I, I like that scene a lot. What's the name of the guy in Godfather Part Two that they try to buy the casino from? Mo Green. Mo Green. Yeah, I wonder if Ruben is a bit Mo Green. I definitely see. It's. I, I don't think that's probably a coincidence. I yeah. bet you that's kind of what they modeled it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, if you asked an AI to draw like an aging casino o- o- <laughs> owner, uh, I, I do think it would look like Ruben. Yeah. Elliot Gould, um, by the way, I love that legend scene as well, and definitely shout out to Elliot Gould. He's mm-hmm. awesome. He's so cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love the the expletive when he's like, <laughs> "You're in the middle of the bleeping desert." Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, just just before we leave, Ruben, mm-hmm. uh, we will come back to him, I'm sure. But throughout the movie, it's it's you know that eight old or 
age-old adage of keeping your enemies closer than your friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's so often near uh, Andy Garcia's character in yeah. like so he's right next yes. to him when the, the the hotel's been demolished, even though it's you know his old place, his yeah. old place. He's just behind him at the boxing rap match. Um, they're very clear. <laughs> Andy, he's he's in the picture when they show the picture of uh, Andy Garcia in the paper. They have a. A clip out of a picture of Andy Christie in the paper, and you can see yeah. Rubens in the background mm. of the picture in the paper. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention too, like this is kind of bringing together a couple of things we've already mentioned. Like we talked about in the opening scene, like how we get to know Danny Ocean right away. Like, and they do a great job of just like we know who Ruben is, right? Mm-hmm. Just by looking at him and the way he's talking, like we know who these guys are. And this goes back to Jess with your point about the work and the guys in the poker game. And they work Ruben perfectly in this. Like, they are so in sync <laughs> yeah. together. Well, but, but and also he knows it. Yeah, yeah like he, he 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 knows that he's being worked, but he goes for it anyway because yep. he has no choice. And he also does say, um, "I owe you for the thing with the guy in the place." Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to know what that is. <laughs> All right. Then we get the crew together, and I, it's quite a lot to take on board because we get we meet all of the the other guys. There was eight other guys in this sort of sequence, and oh my god, we're going to say it again, it's so cool. They do it so well. The way they right. we meet all of them. Uh, my, I'm going to just say this: it might be my small my favorite small stuff from the whole film is the first time they talk about, or the the first person they talk about is is Frank, and he's he's sort of come over across with a, a, a case of bronchitis and needs to be transferred his his body language and his face clearly in like his supervisor's office or something and he looks just so all kind of curled up and like so sorry for himself i just love that so much so yeah that's my um that's my almost my favorite scene in the whole thing it's just the way he looks i've i've got a couple of things in here i'd, I'd like to mention um one uh so when they get Basher, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. There is there is no logic to that moment. They just did it because they liked the they want they just wanted the edit. They just wanted the cut. Mm-hmm. Because he says, What about Basher? And he's like, I don't think Basher's available. Well then the idea would be because Basher's already He's in the middle of a, a crime or something or he's been caught. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. they rescue then they him from Basher. It. Committing the crime that would have got him caught, and then they're there already. Yeah, with fake, get him out of. That did that, that did that, that did occur to me as well, actually. But I was like, well, maybe Rusty just knows that Basher is just about to do a crime that yeah. he's going to get caught. He's I mean, just busy planning some other job. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're right, Chris. I, I, it got me hook, line, and sinker. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. It does not make sense at all. Yeah, like yeah. I said, what. what and it's clear they just—they didn't care though. They just wanted the edit. They wanted yeah. the cut. Yeah. What do you think he slips him? What does he give him? Like some some household chemicals mixed in the correct proportions? What is it? Because he throws together <laughs> some sort of explosive very quickly. Yeah, I like Basher. He's like, did you? He's like, oh, I got it. <laughs> it just—I guess it just shows us how good he is at, at right at his job. There's a, there's a little bit, and I forget the guy's name, but they're talking about one guy's not available because he's dead. Mm-hmm. He died of skin cancer or something. And uh, Danny says, do you send flowers? And he's like, no, but I dated his wife for a while. 
and Danny's <laughs> face is like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> I'm going to try very hard not just to quote uh, cool lines from this movie, but that, it, Danny's face uh, in response to uh, what Russ says there does it for me now. So I had one other thing I wanted to say about the recruitment scenes, but Chris, did you have something else? Yeah, I just want to say uh, there's it's just such a s- small stuff. Yeah, uh, that's what we're here for. It's when they go to uh, get Yen. Yeah, uh, which I don't know. Whatever the thing they are that they're watching them do, it's a, it's a circus. It was it, because they walk out of the circus tent at the end, so it's like some yeah. kind of circus. Barnum's circus. And, oh yeah. yeah. Um, so when you know, because Danny's not impressed. No. He's Doesn't like, seem so hard. <laughs> does the jump, and I just like the, the way they do the exchange. We got a grease man. We got a grease man. But then I love the way uh, Rusty claps. <laughs> He's really enjoying the show. Yeah. Okay, so I had something to say about that show. Um, until Yen does the jump, it looks rubbish. Really, the does. show looks bad. <laughs> yeah, right. they're halfway up a pole, sticking their arm out, saying "Ta-da." He's like, well, I'm with Danny. It doesn't look that hard. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, then he does the jump and it's slightly different. But uh, they all get to Ruben's house again and they all show up at once. And he says, you know, did you get a group rate? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> again, I, listen, we're, this, it's going to be the case with this movie. I think we're going to be quoting lines from it the whole, the whole way through. When... Uh, one of the brothers asks Saul whether he gets out to Utah very often. Saul says, not as often as I'd like. <laughs> yeah, but you remember what he says? Yeah. I think you could do very well there. Yeah, I think you'd, I think you'd dig Provo. <laughs> the only other time I've ever heard of Provo, Utah, is in Fletch. Because uh, he takes a flight to uh, Provo, Provo, Utah. Oh, he says, Provo, Spain? No, Provo, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything from the... Yeah, the, the there's, a, there's a... I'm going back to Ruben here. There's a lovely shot. He's kind of stood in the background, um, kind of against a unit, against his wall. And I forget the line, but he chips in with some comment. And you see a picture of a Ruben. And behind him on on the unit, there's a picture of Ruben. Uh, two pictures, I think, in a frame from Time magazine. And he's he's in both of them broadly in the same kind of stance that he is. Oh, that's... <laughs> It's like two pictures of Ruben behind Ruben making the same. That is, so good. that is elite level small stuff. It's really good. So, Chris, you said that you didn't think this was a necessarily the right choice for the small stuff podcast. I think Andy's just proven you otherwise. I mean, that is elite level. It's that pr- is the attention well, to detail that they took in making this movie that means it's worthwhile for us to talk about. Well, actually, no. I think Andy made my point because mm, there's okay. probably lots of small stuff here. Mm. But, like, I missed all that because... Okay. I'm looking at George Clooney and Brad Pitt. You're blinded, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, I just want to, this is the point I want to throw in, just a real quick point about the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to preface this by saying, uh, this is nonsense and I don't care at all, but I just want to say it. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they've gone to great lengths to tell us, right, that um, that Terry Benedict is ruthless. And if they ever, they ever find out who did it, mm-hmm. he won't just hurt them, he'll go after their families. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no way a crew this big, like no way. There is a zero percent chance. What that they'll that get away with it? Out. What? No, no, no. Some somebody somewhere. There's just too many associations. There's no way you could keep nah. this from being. They're a tight crew. From... Okay, where's the weak link? Who's the weak link, Chris? Come on. Well, throw someone uh, under the bus. <laughs> I think 
just the fact that now I'm not saying that necessarily even anybody would would squeal, but like mm. once they realized, you know, that uh, that that Ramon worked at one of the casinos and uh, that they got the 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 tag from the guy that he liked the stripper. I don't know. I just feel like would Benedict. Way to... By the way, this is again. Who cares? This is <laughs> not what the movie is <laughs> trying to be like. It's not would... a how-to movie. It's it's. It's would George Clooney and Brad Pitt, but would, I just when I'm watching, I'm like, there's no, this would, <laughs> there's too many moving parts. Uh, Andy, you started this sentence like a hundred times. No, it's fine. It's not that important. I'm just thinking on who would snitch. Do you think Benedict follows up on Saul being recognised by uh, that dude's name? What was his name? Bucky Buchanan. Bucky Buchanan. Mm. I mean, he's suspicious of that moment. He's of, yeah, yeah. And he's also suspicious when um, he catches Linus watching where he puts the key card or the code card yeah so he's suspicious on him on at least two probably more occasions i mean he's suspicious from the the moment he sees danny ocean also doesn't danny's there yeah it doesn't matter we know what happens he kind of joins them in the next one so oh spoilers (laughs) so it's it's immaterial yeah and and by the way he's not as ruthless as they say he is right like he if he suspected them even a tiny bit, he'd get his henchmen to sort them out. They're following yeah. at the end, though, aren't yeah. they? This yeah. henchmen are following. I don't care them. if they're guilty or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's uh, what I get. But I guess we're, uh, we're overthinking this. But you know, like even the guy that comes to beat Danny up is in on it. Like he's better friends with Danny than he is with right. Benedict. So yeah. maybe, you know, George Clooney and Brad Pitt's cool factor is just it seeps everywhere and uh, mm-hmm. you just you can't help yourself but uh, fall for them. Absolutely. Before we move on from the plan. Yeah. There's a again, I'm going to use the word cool because there's no other way to describe it. And everybody, nobody says anything about it as if it's completely underst- understood that Rusty understands Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just yeah. and he's like, and no, that's no, out. <laughs> no one's like. Oh, you speak Mandarin. Of course he does. Yeah. And also that um, Yen understands English. what everyone's saying, but doesn't only speaks English in the very last time he speaks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That actor, by the way, spoke almost no English. Really? Yeah. But it didn't matter. They had a translator to tell him what to do and he just got on with it. Which I think actually works really well because he looks quite vacant a lot of the time, doesn't he? <laughs> you know what I mean? He just sort of looks like he doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. It's probably because he didn't know what was going on. They then um, they get on with they get down to business. They do all of the preparation and stuff, right? They kind of uh, lay the groundwork. The relationship that the two Utah brothers have, I think, is is hilarious, and it go it continues through the whole film. They're kind of slightly squabbling, not even slightly squabbling, they're squabbling nature. But I think it reaches a peak for me when they he tries to. He, they block the camera with the big bunch of balloons and they yeah. they have that amazing uh, argument. And it, it's, at one point he's like, you're spitting in my face. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you're a balloon boy. I'm not Sir, in your face. You are in my you face. You walked into me. You got you in my way. I was trying to deliver my balloons. Gentlemen. <laughs> he's a balloon. Balloon boy, yeah, balloon boy. You're spinning balloon boy, in my, my face. face. And he just, <laughs> I just, it, just, uh, it, it is, is low rent insult, isn't yeah. it? It's really funny. And I think the the guard plays it really well because he's like, 
he's, he understands there's an argument, but he doesn't want to escalate it into a commotion. Mm-hmm. So he's being very cool with them. He's very, you know, very calm and collected about it. He's trying to get them out of the place, but without raising too much of a ruckus. Yeah. But um, I don't have time to um, sit standing here talking to you circus animals, he says as he walks away. He, he, he takes his balloons and off yeah. he goes. Very good. Hey, good. dumb question moment. Uh, the actor's Scott Kahn. That's, that is James Kahn's son. I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they're doing the prep, they go through all the things that we need to do. We need this pass. We need this, that, and the other. And they say, oh, and we also need an exact working replica of the vault mm-hmm. in two weeks. Because I, I don't buy that. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? But well, it's is it so a working busy. is it a working replica? That's what he says. He does say that. He's an exact working replica of. But the then vault. when we see them, like you know, when when Yin does the jump, the test jump. Yep. Yen, sorry, he does the test jump. They're, it's not an exact working replica because they're just standing on the edge, like in the warehouse or whatever they they're in. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like got four walls and the the, no, the but door I think, working uh, and stuff. Because again, look at me. Uh, I <laughs> didn't really figure this out. I was like, why are they bothering putting money and chips in? Mm-hmm. But of course, they're using it for the video at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. I don't think you make that in two weeks. Not when you're staking three casinos out and you've got everybody. I, you got, I don't want to buy it. You got eleven people. I buy it. No. Okay. No. Yeah, but no. you didn't recruit these eleven people for their construction skills. Mm. Yeah, but you know what? Rusty speaks Mandarin, so he probably is like he's got a PhD in in vault and, construction. And if you bring other people in to do this, then you're implicated somewhere yeah. else. No, got... We we see them actually doing it. You know, they're they're putting the the yeah. walls in, and you know, so they they do it. Can you imagine if we tried to do that? What it would look like? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Our skill set is not construction, right? Can you? Oh, well, imagine... hold on. You've got a you've got a, well, a degree do... in it. Yeah, but. This guy's machining things with his like CNC drill. I'm like, nah. No, I set the record in shop class for most bandsaw blades broken in one year. I'd... There we are. We'd be awful. It would look yeah. ramshackle, and Benedict would see it. That's not my fault. That's some well, sketchy. We <laughs> we aren't quite up to their level yet. We'll get there. That's true. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to pick holes because you know what? This is cool. That's what you do during Alien. That's what you do during yeah, 10 out of 10 films. Pretty much every film. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> moment, Chris, you wanted to say something about the first time we kind of in- interact with Benedict and Tess. Uh, yeah, I, it's just a question. Uh, why? Why do we? Why is Tess with Benedict? Oh my god, I, that was it. Was the uh, yeah? Like I kept asking my that myself that all the way through. Like, there's nothing redeeming about him. Apart from the fact that he's rich and he lets her run a, a museum on the top floor of his casino. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't treat her well. and He does. When they are at dinner and Danny's there, he, is, he does sort of hold her hand and, you know, kiss her fingers or whatever he's doing. He, so he fawns over her. He clearly... Yeah, he kind of says the right things yeah. that when Danny's there, doesn't he, without coming up as a, too much of a douche. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. So, and no, she you're... doesn't know his reputation? Like, she wouldn't mm. have any idea that this is a guy with a fierce reputation? I don't know. Just whatever. Well, I think, and again, one of my other favourite lines of this film is when Danny's questioning her, you know, about why they're together, essentially. And he says, does, does he make you laugh? And she says, he doesn't make me cry. No, and I think that's, that's, that's such a good line. And 
actually that whole interaction between them is fantastic at that point but um yeah i think maybe that's it she's just had a terrible time with danny and this guy's well he seems like a bad man as well but i don't know <laughs> i so i actually did want to talk about it if we could the 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 scene between tess and danny before benedict shows up mm-hmm. um i don't know if you were to ask me like to um give you an example all time of like two two actors having chemistry on a scene together like it's just the two of them playing off each other and their interchange i just was enthralled by it and the, so many good lines too like uh i paid my debt she's just funny i never got a check yeah yep i love that line um she says i he says he got the divorce papers when he's in prison she says well i told you, told I'd, you write. I'd write that is just a killer isn't it that is just the yeah. most brutal line that's the the day the day before i got out or whatever it is <laughs> told you i'd write so quick uh there's a he says i'm not joking she says i'm not loud like just yeah. all yeah. those lines in there yeah i just and and like i said the the chemistry between uh her and, and Clooney too just mm. this i thought it was amazing Yep, that's really really cool, isn't it? That that whole yep. interaction is fantastic. Before then, we see Tess coming down the stairs with Linus and and Rusty, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting. I read something on on IMDb about some trivia, which said that she did that barefoot because it was a bit sketchy walking down the stairs in heels. Mm-hmm. If you watch that again, that scene again, the crop is really weird. It just cuts off at her ankles, so you can't see. Okay. <laughs> it's really strange. I mean, I, I believe it, but also it's hard to believe that Julia Roberts can't walk downstairs in heels. No, I think I agree. I agree. It doesn't seem. Although apparently she was barefoot in a lot of the film. Okay, apparently. Mm. I mean, she's literally running in heels later on when she she's, runs after. Danny. She literally is running yeah. in heels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but not downstairs. No. no. No, I think it's fair enough. I right? think they're really short steps if you look at them. As well. Okay. I think you know not aware of high heels. I would imagine it's quite difficult if mm. your heel toe is longer than the step length. You, you think you've got to go yeah. down sideways, right? Mm-hmm. So, Chris, you will probably know this, but I can't. I don't know who it is. Who is the guy that talks to Saul when he's the first time we see him as Zerga? Who is the guy sitting at the blackjack table with him that advises him about not getting into Terry Benedict too much? Andy knows. Oh, I don't know. No, well, I read it, and it is. I think he's one of the producers. Okay, all right, because oh. he's like some bigwig. I knew that, yeah, and yeah. I, I know he's not like a, a a proper actor. He's like a yeah. Yeah. no, he's he's okay. part of the production yeah. team, I think. In that little um, exchange, he says, "I don't believe in weakness," and then and then he says, "I don't believe in questions either." <laughs> basically telling him to shut, shut up. up but what a weird line what <laughs> don't believe your questions okay fine <laughs> whatever that means i'll shut up you should try what, that with someone say where he's supposed to be from where zerga's from south africa mm, so it? i think he's he's i think he's supposed to be sort of eastern european russian oh, really? because uh i was saving this but I'll, I'll bring it up now so we did great escape a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago uh, and do you remember the Russian phrase that uh, that Danny knows? Oh, I love you. Lub lub. I love you. Yeah. Right. Uh, when the brothers are like um, they're acting as Saul's security or Lyman Zerga's security, and they're undoing his his briefcase cuffs. One of them says "Yavas lub lub." 
So one of them oh. says, I love you in Russian, <laughs> which and it's got to be, it's got to be a shout out to the great escape. It has to be, I can't yeah. think of why else you would do it. Um, no. So that's my feeling. And they're called, they're called, what does he say? Like Sergei, when, um, when they take Bucky Buchanan out of the, um, Oh, out of the, right. he he tells he he calls, says them by their name and I can't remember what their name. No, is. you're right. I think they are Eastern European yeah, names, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that kind of answers a question I had then because I was I was kind of wondering if they were maybe going with Saul for like was he maybe an old Nazi? But mm. probably not then. No, no, I don't think so. I don't know if we're to this point yet where Saul brings his jewels in. Can we talk about that? Not yet. Let's uh, let's save that for just a sec um, because I wanted to okay. say something about when the um, the whole scene where the casino is demolished. It's so great. They got um, Lennox Lewis and um, Vladimir Vladimir Klitschko or one of the Klitschko brothers to yes, Vladimir, yeah. to push the plunger, and and there's there's so many nice touches. The fact that Basher <clears throat> is watching it on TV even though it's happening literally behind him. Yeah, he's so blasé about explosions. Uh, and the the great shot, it might be the best shot in the whole film, actually, when everyone turns around to see mm-hmm. the demolition except for Danny and Linus. Yep. And there's just their faces in the shot. I just think it's, it's really so good. good. Isn't it? It's so yeah, good. That's really good. I wanted to talk about whether Yen actually makes the jump from, like, he is he that good of an acrobat where he can do that backflip and land sitting on the shelf or is he is he supported by some sort of rig is it like a you know is he wired to the ceiling or something and he does it because that's incredible what he does he does a backflip and sits on a high shelf lands sitting on a high shelf right <laughs> i watched it a couple of times and i couldn't tell whether it he was he was he got some sort of winch mechanism that's uh, helping him or not. I think he's a legit acrobat. Yeah, I would um, assume so. No, no, I think he's very flexible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I didn't question it actually. I just assumed he did. I just because you know I, I'm saying like I've watched yeah. this like you said, Chris, like you know ten times in the last twenty years, and and I've never questioned it once. But then I was looking a little bit more closely, and I'm like that's an unbelievable stunt. It's <laughs> like. I, w- it's so far, and he's so precise. Right. And then later on, he does it, and he deliberately, well, presumably the actor or the acrobat deliberately gets it wrong because he misses the jump in the when he's doing it for real. Um, yeah. So, Andy, did you want to say something about when they steal the pinch? Basher knows what the pinch is, mm-hmm. right? How how does he know how to work it? I mean, clearly, he's a very expert he's an expert in demolitions and electronics mm. it would seem but come on I mean, it doesn't come just, with instructions i don't think you just plug it in and press go do you no it took him a while to kind of set it all up didn't it I don't. okay so i think we're going to have to uh assume that these guys can do everything you know yeah, they built the vault in two weeks yeah and mm-hmm. Rusty can speak Mandarin. Yeah, so, so we have what, to. Why sus- can't he use a pinch? Yeah. Does it? Is that a pinch a thing? Is that a real thing? Well, I. It's the first time I'd ever heard of it being called a pinch. But the pinch is obviously the device. But the concept of an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, is. Mm. I remember in GoldenEye, which was the first time I ever became aware of EMPs. That was what the GoldenEye device was. It's mm-hmm. a, a precisely 
aimed yes. electromagnetic pulse. So there must be some sort of device that can create it, obviously. Uh, I just don't know whether it's actually called a pinch. Wait, mm. that's real? Well, EMPs are a thing. Yeah. But you could detonate something like that that would just shut down a city's yeah, electrical... That, I, I, mm, see, that's the bit I question. I don't know whether or not it would be that effective. I don't know. Although I would say the effect on the van that it's in is cool. Mm-hmm. There's that word again, cool. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. just immediately, you Trash, know, completely the van, uh, it gets yeah. disfigured very in a very cool way. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I who knows? I'm not an expert in these mm. these matters. But yeah, they do exist. I know that. Whether or not you'd get one in the back of a van that was that effective, I don't know. Right, but like you know, in a. It, it, it's a good point to make about movies in general, though. Like, it, the pinch doesn't have to be real. They just have to make us believe that it could exist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the Jurassic Park theory, right? Like, no, we can't really make dinosaurs, but we gave you a quick little explanation, and that's good enough. Now yeah. there's dinosaurs. Yeah, suspend your disbelief for the moment. Yeah. But I think it, it is it, it is worth saying that, you know, electromagnetic pulses are a thing. They do they do what it does in the film it you know it does it disrupts electrical circuits so electrical things stop working do you um, think it looks like that where it's like glowing green and it's got like fluid oh yeah yeah i'm sure <laughs> uh, the, the movie manifestation I, of these things it's probably just a black box isn't it yeah <laughs> i didn't have this i didn't put this down on the thing and i don't even have my notes but i'm gonna actually ask you two gentlemen because this was a conversation you guys had in the uh, great escape about um was it Colburn's accent that you mm-hmm. guys are talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's the what's the rating on uh, Basher's accent? Mm. Right. And you guys asked the question, yeah, in Great Escape, also like, and why? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I read that he wasn't particularly happy about it, and actually wanted to change it, and they said no. But I think it's all right. It's it's very it's very hammed up. It is the kind of the almost comedic version of Cockney London. So, yeah, he's trying to be Cockney. Yeah. I think that if he'd just tried to be, like, generic British, it would have been a little better. But because know. he was trying to be Cockney, I think it's just... I don't know, you you couldn't say we're in Barney. If no, was just no a, or exactly. You lose that joke, which is a great joke. Which is a great joke. I so, was going to say, is the whole point of him British for that joke? Maybe. Oh, I hope so. I don't know. So I think when I when we watched it first time, Chris, and for the probably the first however five times I've watched it, I never questioned it. I was living in America at the time; my English accent had probably almost completely gone. Um, it didn't even occur to me that it was a bad rendition of an accent. But watching it this time, it did jar with me a little bit. It did kind of grate a bit. Yeah, I think it's okay. There's a couple of points when he comes out of the sewer and does the Barney Rebel joke. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of words he says which just don't sound right, but actually it's okay. It's okay. It's not yeah. bad. I've heard far worse. Oh, Better than yeah. Sean Connery. <laughs> well, because he doesn't try, does he? He's like, nope, this is me. <laughs> Today I'm Russian. Although actually in uh, Hunt for Red October he does sort of try. Better than Dick Van Dyke in uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah, that is the red flag of <laughs> that terrible. Is, yeah, it is the poster child of a bad God, it's awful. British accents, yeah. 
Uh, just before we move on from the whole pinch thing, uh, again, it goes back to the um, how by this point they all know how awful the brothers are to be with because Linus shouts at Danny, don't leave me with these guys. <laughs> they, they are completely intolerable to be with. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Because they are really intolerable in that scene. Yeah. Chris, you want to say something about um, Danny being red flagged or, or the scene around that moment? So actually... <laughs> No, but the the segue from what you just said about the brothers mm-hmm. don't leave, uh, is a is a good segue for what I had on this moment. Um, because in that scene, the brothers I don't remember what they're doing when he gets flagged. They're pushing the cart around, maybe. So I, I can't remember exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But the question I wanted to ask is, do the brothers deserve a larger cut? Oh, so yeah, okay. So I have I wrote down a timeline. The 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 brothers heist timeline i called it first of all they were sold security guards right then very quickly after that they were porters delivering uh the canister the 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 cart so that yen yen could get in the cart then shortly after that they were security guards delivering the cart to the cages to go down into the vault then after that they were paramedics uh to help carry soul supposedly dead Saul out of the security room. And then after that, um, Scott Kahn's character was one of the SWAT team and uh, Casey Affleck's character was driving the remote control van. So they each do five separate jobs during the, the course of this probably, what, only two-hour heist or less than less than that? And, and that's not even like what they do, but like, and then there's Balloon Boy. And, yeah. And that part of like... It seems like they carried a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. But they must have been than... building the vault as well. As yeah, you know. yeah, they are. No, there's yeah. definitely footage of them like with the the vault building. They, yeah, they drove the getaway van for the pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they're, I, I, they're all over the place. I think they deserved a larger cut of the. Who deserves the least? Oh, good question. Um, I hate to say it, I think maybe Frank. Yeah. Because I mean, there's one thing to do. Yeah, get kicked out. I yeah, mean, he I, does I, it really well, though. Yeah, I think it's Frank as well. Frank is very good buying the the vehicles, though. Oh, that's true. That's a good scene. Isn't yes, it? Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. You love his speech about moisturizing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear gloves because you know it interrupts with my. Is it a social <laughs> agenda? Social. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Chris, you did have something about when the jewels arrived. So when uh, Lyman Zerger's briefcase of jewels arrived. What this is, um, this is uh, about um, about when uh, they bring Frank aside. The plan wouldn't have worked if they hadn't kicked Danny off, and Linus should have realized that. Why would the plan not have worked? Well, because Linus is stepping in to take Danny's spot. And if Danny had shown up as the gaming commission man, no, I'm not. I'm not feeling it, Chris. I think Benedict, well, Benedict would have known who he was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's why. That's why it can't have been the plan. I mean, Linus must have been the gaming commission guy the whole time. Must have been. Yeah, because I think the bit he stepped in on was the uh, elevator shaft. The vo- yeah, the actual yeah. vault. And actually, I get. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Rusty and Danny knew they were going to kick him off 
to kind of yeah, suggest yeah. that yeah, it yeah. was a thing. Oh, it was yeah, all yeah. part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know why they had to. But in fact, he says, though, no, he does say, well, why did you put me through all that? And, and he's like, well, just, you know, because it was fun or something. I can't remember what he said. Yeah. What's the fun in that or something like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really flippant considering yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> How'd you get here? We give a friend a couple million. Yeah, but what about Rusty, the whole argument? I mean, what was that about? Oh, come on. You know, why don't you just tell me? Why, why did you put me through all this? Where's the fun in that? I guess it shows trust in Linus, though, doesn't it? Like, he does say he trusts him now, doesn't he? Yeah. Or something like that. Words yeah, they knew he was capable. So when they're putting Yen in the in the cage, right? So obviously it's all timed critically from that point because you've got no air now. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you see that shot of him bending in half and sliding in, and then Rusty shuts the lid. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's airtight. There's no. no way. No, it, I, the corners bent up. Mm-hmm, yep. I'm like, there's no, there's not even a seal on it, is there? It's no. just like a flimsy aluminium lid or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, that's stupid. No, I agree. I, I just wanted to say one other thing. So the um, the sequence when he's in the security room with with Zerga. Uh, this is Benedict. I'm talking about. He's in the security room with Zerga, and he's like, I've got to go now, uh, and leaves him with his like head of security or whatever. The way Benedict leaves the security room, the way he pushes the door and he's got a flourish with his hand as he releases the door. It's just, it's one of those weird movie things that has stayed with me. And sometimes I might push a door and I think to myself, oh, can I do this in a Terry Benedict sort of way? I don't know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Is that... Because he marches off, but you see him marching down the corridor, and he's he got to, he's got to walk, hasn't he? Yeah, he's definitely got a, a, a kind of a strut almost. Is that a, a Garcia strut or is it a Benedict strut? I'm not sure. Is that his actual walk? Because it's it's quite distinctive. I think it's got to be for Benedict. I think it's mm-hmm. yeah because he's going at that point to see Danny in the in the yeah yeah room with no cameras or but it's it a very distinctive walk. I yeah. mean, you, you, if you're putting it on. Um, it is, you know, obviously for the character, mm. but it's quite natural. Yeah, I don't think George Stone walked like that. No, no, that's where I was going. Because I, think Garcia's I don't, too re- cool for I don't remember he is too cool for mm. almost everything. Um, but maybe Justice is our answer to our question of why why was Tess with Benedict? Maybe she liked the way he opened doors. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he seems to be a gentleman for her, so maybe he was opening a lot of doors for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little flourish. Yeah. When the doctor is called and. Uh, Rusty turns up with a wig on. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere that he was broadly, uh, or rather loosely, basing that on an Austin Powers look. Well, it works. <laughs> if you look at his hair. Yeah. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It's very it Austin Powers. Uh, yeah, very funny. Uh, I will bring up something right here that I'd had earlier. Um, that um, So is Saul method acting? Yeah, because he's he's doing it all the time. He's sitting there going, he will be here. And he's doing that stuff all the time, right? So it's... And I guess that's it's cool. Um, It's a nice little trick by Soderbergh to set Mm -hmm. us up as an audience thinking, wait, did he really just have a heart attack? Mm -hmm. And is this guy really in over his head? Because I feel like he's doing it when he's getting the suit fitted as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's, he's acting slightly weird. 
Um, to the point where Danny asks him if he's okay to do it. And then, he, you know, he says, look, don't ever ask me that again. <laughs> we'll not wake up the next morning, he says, which is an extreme yeah. threat. I think. So I think you're right. I think he is method acting. Yeah, yeah just all the time. He's mm-hmm. in character. Uh, I just wanted to say something about when the pinch works. And it's like I've got two points about when everything gets like th- thrown into chaos from from the blackout. When the lights come back on, one of the, I think it must be one of the waitresses in the casino gets absolutely clotheslined and just destroyed. Oh, yeah. Like it's so <laughs> unnecessary. For, she's running and then someone just like completely clotheslines her and it's brutal. I, I don't know. It's funny, but also like what the hell? It's complete chaos. Yeah. People cr- climbing over the tables. And... and another one of my favorite lines and favorite moments, you know, you'd mentioned how, um, Ruben is always close to uh, Benedict and the, the fight is in chaos and and it, they they actually share a glance, mm-hmm. Benedict and Ruben, and Ruben's like sort of gesticulating like, I don't know what's going on. And then as Benedict walks away, he's uh, he's saying things like, what is he saying? He says, well, this is crazy. I don't know what, <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> and it's really great by uh, Elliot Gould because he's acting being a bad actor in that yeah. sequence, like you can yeah, just yeah. see that he's deliberately hamming up his astonishment at the chaos that's ensued from this thing that he's directly involved in. You know, we have not got lot much more else to say, so we are going to skip ahead, Chris, because you wanted to say something about the closing credits. I think, which is you know against you know against protocol I'm normally. Not stepping, but... Don't worry, I'm not stepping on Andy's toes okay. here. No, my only point was, and get ready to take a drink if you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. The closing credits are cool. <laughs> The music is cool, yep. and then the way they just slide in. Yep, mm-hmm. it's like even yeah, the it's, even it's... the font used is good because they've got like low, uh, like regular type and bold type, the first name, last name mm-hmm. coming together. Yeah, yeah, 100%. and they're moving kind of fast. And oh man, I yeah, when the credits roll at the end, I just I remember the, the feeling of seeing this movie and like kind of bouncing out of the theater and just being like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's there's a few times we can talk about, like, you walked out of a theater and just been like, that's why you go to the movies. And yeah. I, that was definitely one of them. Like, you bounced yeah. out of there. Yeah. Like, that was just, what happened? That was so amazing. Before yeah. we take a break, I just want to mention um, one other thing. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier. So, you know, when Ruben tells them about the failed, fa- failed attempts at mm-hmm. stealing stuff from casinos. So the first one he talks about the bronze medal uh, i'm pretty sure the actor that plays the thief in that black and white bronze medal the- theft is the same actor that plays one of the security guards in the security room uh um, it's it's difficult to kind of describe which one it is but you know maybe next time you watch it just keep an eye out for that because i'm pretty sure it's the same actor all right on that uh, bombshell we will take a short break Let's move on to the categories, guys. We're going to start with the quick hits. Um, it seems to be a common theme uh, these past episodes. There were no use of binoculars, so we can't check to see whether it was rendered correctly in POV. Uh, there were no backhanded spit wipes. 
as far as I can tell, I always struggle keeping my eyes open for backhanded spit wipes, but I'm pretty sure there weren't. It's just way too cool a movie for that. I'm sure Chris would tell us if we were wrong. Can I throw my backhanded spit wipe theory at you? Yeah, go for it. I kind of wonder if like filmmakers since Jaws have been like, (laughs) (laughs) like don't even try. We can't can't match it. It can't be tough. That must be the reason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we are going to keep looking though. Maybe when we go to films that were made before Jaws, we might. Well, you said, you said the Great Escape had kind of had one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Jaws perfected it, and now we're like, okay, well, yep. yeah, fair enough. Uh, Andy's hat. Um, I I really only noted one, mm-hmm. and that was unsurprisingly Rubens at the the um, demolition okay. of the hotel. What uh, kind of hat is he I wearing? I think it's a fedora. I think it is. I'm not sure. Okay. It's kind of, but I don't know of any other. There notables. is another hat. Is there? Yeah. Linus is wearing a hat in Chicago. Oh, he's yeah. Got right. a he's got a red baseball, baseball cap. cap, hasn't he? Yeah. It looks yeah, good. Yeah. It's, a, it's a well-fitting cap, that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, it's still the fedora. Okay. Uh, bad Ways to Die. Does anyone die? No one. There no, This is one of the first films we've done since Bad Ways to Die was a thing that no one's done. Which was Jaws. Uh, right? No, it was Untouchables. Because we talked about the, the, what was it? The, in Roman times, they would be put in a bag with the rat and they'd have their nose cut off and right. thrown in a river. Yeah, You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's none of that here. No. Uh, I did think of one, because even though we've kind of talked about the airtight quality mm-hmm. of the container, the way potentially Yen could die would be bad. Folded mm-hmm. in half, suffocating to death. Mm-hmm. That's not great. No, agreed. So, so I, I I thought, okay, if no one's dying, what's the most painful thing? Mm. And even then, I struggled. And I, well, it could be, but I think it's Yen's hand in the door of the van. Yeah. Right, I think. Mm-hmm. What did you say, Chris? Sorry, I didn't catch it. Uh, uh, Roman's hand, or Frank's handshake behind the vans. The crushing oh, yes. handshake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that might come up in a bit. Uh, right, let's move to audio corner. Uh, the... As we've talked about this already, but the music wins for Audio That's Corner. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it, it, or every step of the way. Like you talked about the the escalator music when the, when it first starts, it's incredible. Uh, the music in Chicago. it's um when we see linus on the train for me that's like it's probably a theme that's used throughout the film but it's used so well in in conjunction with the scenes on the train mm-hmm. and the kind of that slightly kind of shaky cam technique they use on those scenes i think it looks amazing and then there's the um little less conversation a little more action yeah. elvis track when they we're like the aerial shot over vegas uh, any it's other shout any other shouts I mean, just like you said, the music in general, just all and, and like all the different aspects of it, the different the different themes they have for different moments and tones just mm-hmm. all work. They're all really, really good. Mm-hmm. So in the last show we did, mm-hmm. um, we I was talking about a golf swing, which was kind of a library shot of a, a club swooshing through the air. And I've got another swooshing one for you here. Yeah. The the glow sticks they dropped down the shaft. Oh, Yes. All right, crack them. 
They make, let's be clear, very unrealistic noise, but it's so cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so unnecessarily cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And actually, they're rubbish. I mean, all they do is show, I guess, the, where the floor is. That's all they're there mm-hmm. to do, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. That swoosh. Actually, I can't believe I didn't write it down as a uh, piece for audio corner because I noticed it again mm. this time. I was just blinded by the music, I guess. Yeah, the music is, uh, um, this is an amazing, well, it's all amazing, right? But when they're going through the team, there's some really funky music going on in the background and it's so good mm. as it is everywhere, right? So do we have a, do you have a, a top music moment that, that wins Audio Corner? Like, is it that? No, I'm going to pick the uh, glow stick swoosh. Oh, the glow stick swoosh. Okay, yeah, that's your pick. That. Well, okay. only because nice. the music is exceptionally good and I was oh. trying to, you know, pick something different. Yeah, nice. Chris, have you got a particular moment? Yeah, the Danny coming up the stairs. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go for Elvis. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. Uh, the Elvis track. I, it's, a, it's actually not just Elvis track. It's like Elvis versus... Yeah, I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, that. Mm. I'm going to choose that. Best looking scene. Chris, you want to start? Um, well, like there's a kind of an easy, obvious one, like the fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know we've mentioned it half a dozen times. Right, Danny coming up the escalator. Escalator mm-hmm. looks so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with stealing the pinch. Oh. Um, and because I love the way they film that because it's a little bit like the old Scooby Doo cartoons where. You know, they'll have the, the scene where the villain's chasing Scooby and Shaggy and they're running in and out of doors across from side to side. Mm-hmm. No, it is, yeah. And, like, there's kind of a visual story going on. Like, where's Linus? Always oh, there he is in the stairwell. And then there's <laughs> yeah. two guards on the other side. Yeah. And we're following them along as they're chasing other around, chasing each other around. It's just silhouettes of people. I just well, I love the way they filmed that. Mm. Yeah, that's a great shout. I love that. Andy? As as Chris said, the fountain is, is an obvious choice. But uh, I'm going to go for... A, uh, when Danny's in the room with the the thugs um, waiting mm. for uh, Bruiser to turn up, mm-hmm. there's a shot, and it's kind of interesting parallel with the the bit where you get the start when you see Danny facing the camera in the prison. So he's mm-hmm. doing the same thing, but it's shot. So you've got the two thugs either side. So you've got this kind of lit corridor in the middle where Danny's facing. So they they're basically taking up to the third the edges of yeah. the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really effective. Uh, he's, he's asking when Benedict's coming and all yeah. that, which makes it funny as well. But it's really nicely done. So that's yeah. They, basically, they black out mm. two thirds of the screen, don't they? The thugs yeah. in the foreground. Yeah, I love that. Yep. So, for best looking scene, my first note is all of it, mm-hmm. like all, the whole <laughs> film, all of it. It just everything looks incredible. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh is just he's he's the man for visual style, right? He's so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but I've got to pick a couple of things, I guess. So, the overhead of Vegas when the the Elvis track plays is gorgeous. But I think I'm going to choose the um, the the what is it? I guess it's the argument that Tess and Danny have at the dinner table for the first time. It's very reminiscent. I mentioned out of sight already today, but it's very reminiscent of the conversation between George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in the bar in Out of Sight. It's just it, the lighting is just gorgeous and the Mm-hmm. the out of focus lights in the background is beautiful and you know they're 
good looking good looking human beings and it just it's just brilliant so that's my pick go ahead and say jess it's cool it's very cool take a drink the monsieur mendel award for our favorite incidental character I've got a few nominees. Can I nominate a few? And then you guys can throw in some other names. Yep. So Topher, Topher Grace gets mm-hmm. a, a nomination. Uh, Oscar, the security guard, when they are looking at the uh, the blueprints for the vault or whatever it is, uh, and he yeah. shines the light in their face. He's wearing a terrible shirt. Yeah. It's like brown with like <laughs> cream It's the security pocket. guard universe, uh, uniform, isn't Tops, it? Yeah. Uh, Billy Denim, the guy they buy the van from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucky Buchanan from Saratoga, who's the the guy that recognizes Saul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you got any other any other like perhaps nominations for incidental character? No, Bucky Buchanan was my nomination. I've got a, a different winner, but uh... okay. Chris, uh, anyone? How about Lennox Lewis? <laughs> Who? Lennox Lewis. Oh, Lennox, Lennox Lewis. Lewis. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, like he's, so, he's a fine specimen of a human being, Lennox Lewis. He looks unbelievable, doesn't he? So my pick doesn't count, I, and I realize that now that you've done your nominations, I'm like, oh yeah, my picks actually, because I was gonna say Ruben, but he's not. A, <laughs> he's one of the eleven. He's literally a name. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. in the title. So I, it's not incidental. <laughs> but I'll let you but, have him because Ruben kind of, is cool. Yeah. This this goes back to my point though. Like, Clooney and Pitt are so they're just supernovas, right? And mm. like, in. You put them on screen doing, and with Soderbergh, who knows how to frame them and shoot them, and then everything else just. Elliot Gould looks like an incidental character. He's an incidental character, (laughs) and he's a major part of this movie. Yeah. All right, we'll allow it, Chris. It's fine. It's fine. So, Chris, uh, Andy, who are you going for? Bruiser. Oh, Bruiser. Bruiser. Um, so, you know, he goes in hard straight away with the the hit, and he's like, no, no, later, (laughs) later, wait till later. And then he. And then Clooney asks him how his wife is. <laughs> and he, go, he goes, she's pregnant again. Pregnant again. Uh, again. <laughs> All right. Ah! Ah! Jesus! Bruiser. Not until later. Sorry, Danny. I forgot. It's all right. How's your wife? Pregnant again. Well, let's get started. What does Danny say? Like, yeah, that happens or something like that. (laughs) And he's really softly spoken. Oh, yeah. And as we've mentioned before, he clearly is better friends with Danny than he is with uh, Benedict. So So I'm really torn between giving it to Bucky Buchanan or Billy Denham. Bucky Buchanan's hairstyle and sunglasses are just astonishing. But has he got a terrible tan as well? Yeah, yeah, awful. Yeah, awful oh, he's from tan. Saratoga, so well, you know. Yeah, that'll happen. I think, I think I've got to give it to Billy Denham because he's denim like the gene, and he's like the gene. <laughs> so I, I do throw. I'll throw one other nominee out by yeah. the way too. Uh, Mr. Walsh, the casino manager. Mm-hmm. I okay. thought about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's official. He does his. He's you know, he's good at his job. I think. I thought you were going to say George Clooney then, you know, given your previous yeah, he, nomination. He's uh, he's kind of collateral. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of collateral uh, damage in this, right? Like, he they're not mad at him. They're not, no. Yanni's not trying to get back at him. This guy's just trying to manage a casino, do his job, and he doesn't need this headache. 
Oh, he's going to get it in the neck, though. You just know it. Because Benedict does shout at one point. Just cross to find out how they hooked into my system or whatever it is he says. Yeah. Uh, what's the best location? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, Benedict's house. I was going to use this as Benedict's best house. Sorry, not Benedict's house. Uh, Ruben's house. Ruben's house. Um, yeah, I was going to use this for best looking scene, but I, I changed it to mm. best location. Um, he's got that kind of really rich person's thing of those weird white statues in his garden. Yeah, you know, that no one no one really wants, but they don't know what else to spend their money on. It's like when Joey and friends bought that white dog, dog right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, and I love how he's shot. Um, yeah, so that's mine. Nice, Chris. Well, I mean, I think if I could teleport myself to anywhere on the planet right now, I might want to be sitting in um, Ruben's backyard yep. eating mm. brunch. Yeah. Uh, but that's not going to be my pick. Um, and I'm, I am going to go with the obvious choice this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fountains of the Bellagio. Yeah. Have you been, Chris? I have not. I've never oh. been to Vegas. No, neither have I. This guy has. Yeah, yeah. I have, actually. Were the fountains there when you went? Yeah, I think I was there in 97, Okay, so not too much before this. Mm. Mm. I mean, I don't know if it... Is it too much to say? I mean, people come from around the world to see those fountains, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not just. I mean, that's not the only reason you go to Vegas, but if you're in Vegas, you're going to go get your picture taken at the fountains of the Bellagio. I did not. Um, <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will. <laughs> Chris. You were at Rubens having brunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris, the... Uh... The fountains at Kauffman Stadium, the home of the Kansas City Royals baseball team, they were until this is like a vaguely remembered fact that is probably not true anymore. But they were until the fountains at the Bellagio were made. They were the largest privately owned fountains in America. Really? Yeah. And now they're they, going to tear that stadium down. Are they? Mm-hmm. That's sad. They're going to build it downtown instead. How do we feel about that? We don't like it. No, we don't. Especially because it means it further away from your house, right? <laughs> well, further away from my house. And you don't tear down the side of the greatest paper airplane throw of all time. That's very true. That is... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Now that you've said that, I'm feeling, like, really sad now. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll pull myself together. I'm going to pick... I had Ruben's house written down for best location but uh i'm gonna pick the gallery tess's gallery oh yeah yeah we only see it like maybe once or twice but not very much and it just looks it looks slick the vermeer the vermeer is very nice or whatever it is that danny says i just think it looks nice so i'm i'm i think look it's a bit like all of the uh categories so far you you could pick anywhere in this movie that and it's a great location Mm. so um but yeah i'm gonna go for the gallery what souvenir would you take from this film? Oddly, I've only got one thing. Um, I think we, we touched on this before. I, I find it quite hard to pull myself out of the the coolness of this film and pick up on little things that I, I think, or maybe even bigger things that I would like to take home. Mm. Um, but I've gone with the um, the detonator that mm. uh, the the remote trigger that doesn't work when well, they're the trying head, to yeah, yep. and it's making this nice clicky noise but and he shakes it and the batteries are like kind of that clicky noise could have appeared in audio corner it could have done it, it did not yeah. but you're right mm. uh, yeah. but i will who makes these things like clearly that's you don't just go to a store and buy remote detonators and they must have made mm. it as a prop anyway that one i'll have that on. that's your pick huh yeah i'll get a little stand for it 
mm-hmm. a plinth. Yeah. Yeah. Chris. Uh, so, uh, uh, before I tell you the pick I'm actually going to make, if I lived like in a giant house where I had all kinds of space, mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to have the pinch. <laughs> okay. And you'd set it off every once in a while. <laughs> the neighborhood would be furious. Well, as I think Andy alluded to earlier, I doubt that's really what a, how a pinch works or that there's like, anything real. I just think it'd be cool to have that as a piece yeah, of memory. Kind of look, look like a jukebox in the corner, right? It's yeah. got that kind of yeah. lighty, bubbly thing going on. It's got on. the fluid fl- yeah, sloshing yeah. around in there as well, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. What is that? Oh, that's the pinch. <laughs> I approve. This is great. Good. But uh, I don't live in a giant house, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the remote control car that Casey Affleck drives at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is it what? pre or post crushing? <laughs> pre crushing. Well, I guess <laughs> okay. it's not crushing. <laughs> no, it's fine. This is this is this is a. To be honest with you, Chris, in this category, your house can be any size you want it to be. Bear in mind, with Casino Royale, I picked a yacht. So, yeah. um, but that would sit in your lake. Yeah, or exactly. On, or in your harbor. Yeah, my yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My marina, I'd like to call Indeed. it. Yeah. So you can have the pinch if you want. If that's I'm if taking that, the pinch. Okay, take the pinch. I <laughs> I I approve. Uh, I was thinking Ruben's necklaces as a possible. Mm, that's a good choice. I just think they're just so so ridiculous. Like, how what? would you display them though without making it? Oh, look I'd like have a, a, a like a a bronze bust of Elliot Gould. Yeah, and put them around his neck. Nice. I'd go stone. I think the contrast. Okay. Might work no, better. that's yeah, yeah. good. Uh, the Vermeer from the um, the gallery. I've mentioned the gallery already, but I might mm-hmm. take the Vermeer. I, I think that's probably a bit <laughs> too much to ask for. Uh, what about the fake gemstones? The the green. I thought about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to go with the whatever it is that magnetic device that they attach to the underside of the elevator. And winch themselves down to the bottom of the mm-hmm. the elevator shaft with okay. those. I mean, those are some strong magnets. Yeah, and it's a truly terrifying moment in the movie. Yeah, like why didn't they <laughs> test they these? I mean, they could have tested them. Right. <laughs> they don't play it at all. But yeah, so he's going to hold this in George Glazes. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm going to go for that. I'm and I would want it to be working. I would want it to be ultra magnetic, like ultra magnetic. That's. As a rap mm. uh, I so that it would it would actually hold my weight like an, under a, a door frame or something and okay, I'm all right just don't give me the funny look. I'm just thinking about what your house looks like when you walk in and you got these things dangling down from door frames it's how I'd go downstairs yeah. I'd just hook myself up It'd to the like a fireman's pole but you yeah. just have a, a magnetic winch, winch. Okay. a miniature magnetic winch yeah so that's what I'm going for you'd have to play that music too while you were going downstairs yeah, and I dropped glow sticks before, mm-hmm. and I dropped glow sticks before I went down as well, and they'd make that noise. Uh, let's go on to the Call Me Bronco Coolest Look Award. <laughs> Everybody, you see, coolest Everybody? for me. Well, it could be anything, right? I started off by thinking this is Clooney leaving prison because I was trying to contextualize the cool. Mm-hmm. So he's cool all the time, but leaving prison. Is, yeah. You know, generally people don't look great, but he does. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go with that. And then I was going to go with Ruben's outfit when we first meet him, because I think that's incredible. <laughs> it's outrageous. But yeah. I'm going to go with um, Tess's outfit when she actually. Oh. I'm going to go with Tess's outfit from the, the art gallery. She looks incredibly chic. 
It's such the a red dress. No, no, it's the, it's a kind of grey thing oh. with a with a, like a tight collar and stuff. She looks so incredibly okay. chic. Yeah. Um, the red dress is also incredible, but I'm going with um, Tess's um, art gallery garb. Okay, Chris. Well, I don't. Gosh, this was a hard one. I I originally thought maybe um, Clooney after he gets out of prison when he's the, he's wearing like a kind of a jacket and mm-hmm. collared shirt. Um, I, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and you guys you guys have made fun of me for my picks in the past. I'm gonna go ahead and and make get made fun of again. I'm I'm going with uh, Rusty suit at the end. I was going to say. Oh, with the Ted Nugent show. <laughs> yes. I can just imagine you in that. I'll tell you, it's a perfect pick. <laughs> Ted, it's, Ted Nugent called, he wants your shirt back. Yeah. It's Seriously, Chris, it's the only outfit in the whole film that gets made fun of, and that's the one you're going with. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's I awesome. That is, that is a strong choice. Yeah, it is a good choice. I thought about it, but it's good. <laughs> I'm torn between two. Uh, Rusty is wearing a suit and shirt combo when they have the argument about Tess. Uh, and I think it's when, I don't I can't remember which argument it is now, but he's wearing a kind of a very dark, I think I feel like it's dark blue suit with a um, button down kind of lime green or yellow shirt. It's just a good combo. The color combo works really well. But I think I'm going to go for Saul's heist outfit so the mm. Zerg, because he's got this really plush mm. red waistcoat yeah uh, yeah so it's I, almost I'm, regal isn't it yeah it's so the jacket fine fair enough you have to have the jacket because you know he's a high-powered businessman but the waistcoat underneath the jacket which we get a glimpse of when he's getting dressed is super sharp so that's my uh that's my pick the jacket was imported silk oh that's right it is uh, right, we will finish, as always, with closing credit. I had high hopes for this. And actually, they're, they're not actually super interesting. I think the, the most funny one was like Uzi, Guard with Uzi 2 or something. <laughs> I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with Vladimir Klitschko. Yes. So he's a super incredible dude, right? So um, his brother also an ex-professional boxer. Vitali. Vitali is the mayor of Kiev, right? Um, wow. Which right now, pretty hardcore. Yeah, kudos to the mayor of Kiev right now. Yeah, and I think early on in the in the invasion, the there was some publicity about what Vladimir was doing. He joined the uh, Territorial Defense Brigade, which is kind of like the army reserves in Ukraine. Um, so he's been kind of in and around the front line for a while. He also sold his um, Olympic gold medal from 1996 for like a million dollars and donated the money to children's charities in Ukraine. And <laughs> so much so that the dude who bought the medals gave them back to him immediately after giving him the million dollars because, you know, he was such a cool guy. Like, oh, my God. So um, what a guy. Yeah. So he's obviously tied up in Ukraine somewhere doing some heroic stuff with a mm. lot of other very brave people. Um, so I thought I'd shout out to him rather than give it to Uzi Guard too. Yeah. Gotta make a lich go. Well done. We, I mean, we salute our closing credit winner every episode, but we really mean it this time. What a guy. Yeah. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. My fears were did not come true. I was worried about small stuff, and there was lots of it. There we are. Very good. All right, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.